around the world and here at home, bringing relief, hope, and the life-changing message of Jesus. You're listening to the Mize Missions Podcast with Terry Mize. Hello, everyone. God bless you. Welcome today to Terry Mize Ministries Podcast. We are here to share with you what we feel like will help you and bless you and um, just grab a cup of coffee, <laughs> maybe text a friend and tell them uh, to join you as you listen. And uh, we're going to talk to you today about some really good things that I believe God will help you and encourage you. But, you know, we're not just in this to bless and be blessed and be a blessing, but it's also um, to really move us in the, in the direction of the real focus of the kingdom of God, and that is soul winning, that our prayers count, our church attendance counts, our offerings count. Everything that we do for the kingdom of God has eternal value, and it is supposed to domino into saving the lives of millions of people around the world from eternal death. And so that's why we're here. <laughs> and that's what Terry has to share with you today. And we're so excited about it. We're, we've been looking at some blue bonnets up here in the hill country of Texas and uh, taking a few days to be with our children and grandchildren. And it's just been an exciting time. And we've seen some beautiful things out here. Uh, God's creation is just absolutely stunning. And so we're just, we want to um, give you some audio, and then we're going to also do probably a little video out here today sometime and tell you and show you the beauty of these Texas blue bonnets that are just absolutely stunning in every area. Darling, you know, let's talk about those things and let's share with them what, the, what you feel like is on your heart today for the kingdom of God. Well, absolutely. You know, like you said, we're in uh, central Texas right now, or what Texans call the hill country. Yes. And uh, we were ministered this last week for dear friends, uh, Stephen and Kimberly Beerman. And I've known, my goodness, I've known those kids. Well, I say kids, you know, they've, they're, they've got grandkids now. But I uh, <laughs> knew Kim when she was just a teenager there in Tulsa going to Victory High School. And uh, then I've known Steve since he, I, I don't think he was out of his teens yet. He might have been just out of his teens when he left home in Colorado. His, his dad, who's just a legend and a great man of God, pastor of, of, a, of a great church there in, in Colorado, Brother brother Beerman, Brother Bill Beerman, William Beerman. And uh, Steve came to Tulsa and um, came to the church that I pastored for a short time and, and uh uh, was involved in the music ministry there. We had some great musicians. I, we, in fact, we probably had the best in, in Tulsa <laughs> musicians. And uh, just tremendous uh, uh, time we had in the Lord. But then then uh, uh, I've just known them, like I said, known the whole Beerman family for such a long time. And uh, uh, then Steve and Kimberly have started a church here, or had a church here for a number of years in the Austin, Texas area. They're in Liberty Hill, uh, New Life Church. And so we ministered for them Sunday, and it was just lots of fun, great fun. And we had some of our friends come in. We had Pastor Jeremy Laborde, uh, who's in Waco, Texas, drove up Sunday morning, the pouring down rain, just a thunderstorm. Uh, I mean, really just cats and dogs, you know. And uh, uh, and then George and Nancy Rainey and their daughter, Samantha, who are partners of ours and dear friends for, oh, many, many years. They drove in to, for the meeting Sunday morning in the rain. And then Jim and, uh, and uh, Krista Tomlin, just dear, dear, dear friends for 
what, 30 years? I mean, at least. I mean, yeah. uh, your husband Dean and Jim and I used to, back in the 80s, used to hunt and fish together uh, when we all lived in Corpus. And right. we uh, just had a great uh, time back 30 plus years ago. And, uh, and of course, they're still friends and still partners. And uh, then their son, Zane. Uh, right. drove from Kerrville to church. And, and, uh, I don't think I said, but Jim and Krista drove from San Antonio. So, I mean, we had right. we had some folks brave the rain Sunday morning and come out. That's right. Plus, of course, the folks there at the church with uh, New Life. And we just had a great time, ministered a good word, and God blessed people and helped people. And uh, and then, of course, your son, Matt, uh, and Jen, uh, Jennifer, live here. And then your three grandsons, uh, Braden and Ethan and Hudson, although right. Braden's off to Abilene Christian College, so he That's wasn't right. here. But anyway, we just have had a good time, and just we, we just needed some time to relax after our five-plus weeks in the South Pacific. And then when we left the South Pacific, we were only home 36 hours in Tulsa and just, just literally dumped our suitcases out and, and filled them up again and took off for Miami, Florida, where our dear friend Jerry Moore, pastor of Words of Life Church, was having her convention that they call word of his power and brother copeland was there and uh, there were other speakers earlier in the week bill winston and and uh, sammy rodriguez and uh, bishop tudor bismarck but we weren't there for those meetings we were still in the south pacific so we we flew in and we went to brother copeland's meetings and just had a great time and just visited a lot with kenneth back in the green room and and uh, just enjoyed those services and, and then came back home on april 1st and uh, was just there two nights and just repacked our suitcases and jumped in our pickup and drove to Texas. So yeah, we've right. needed some time to decompress. And so uh, this week we've just enjoyed the hill country. We've driven out on two different days now and just ridden around the country to see the blue bonnets and the Indian paintbrush and the Indian blanket and the buttercups and just all the beautiful Texas wildflowers. And uh, you and I are both Texans, and so, you know, we just have a love for this state. And, of course, nobody but Texas has blue bonnets. And oh, blue bonnets right. is the state flower of Texas, and, and they don't last long. Once they come, they're only around two, three, four weeks, depending on how hot the sun gets. Right. And right now it's getting up in the 90s, so they won't, they won't be around much longer. Uh, but they were really early this year. They uh, We started having friends send us pictures of blue bonnets while we were still in Samoa and Vanuatu and New Zealand. Yeah, the end of February. Uh, the end of February. And we said, oh, no, they're going to be early. We hope we don't miss them because we missed them last year. I know. Last year we were in preaching in Colombia in South America and uh, got back, and they were just mostly gone. We saw just a few little tiny patches here and there, but no fields and no lush and plush. And I tell you, yesterday, Renee, we got into some lush, plush fields of blue bonnets and we found gorgeous. this little road we took little country road and they were just amazing and gorgeous and thick and pretty what was weird is that entire road we were probably on that road just driving at two or three or four or five miles an hour uh just looking around and we were probably on that road for an hour and a half right <laughs> and didn't see any of the other usual suspects didn't see yeah. the, the the usual flowers that run around together we, we saw right. the blue bonnets and the big tall white uh, flowers that's on that I can't think of the name of them right now but they're a real tall stem with thorns and lots of thorns you know, kind of a milkweed sure type thing they're gorgeous flowers but you don't want to pick them uh, and we saw those in blue bonnets but there were none of the there were no buttercups there were no Indian paintbrush there were no Indian blanket it was, it was just a weird thing to not see because usually those guys run together you know they're all in patches together uh, but uh, anyway we had a great time and we're 
we're enjoying decompressing here. And, and uh, this coming Sunday, we minister for dear friends, uh, Terry and Dorcas Maris uh, in Del Rio, Texas. And right. Terry right. and Dorcas have been friends for, oh my goodness, years and years and years, decades. And, um, and, and even their kids and a couple of your kids were friends way, way, way back. I think before right. you even met Terry and Dorcas, but, um, uh, anyway, they're great friends and, and, uh, we go to, uh, Terry and I have gone to Romania together for over 20 years, but we'll be ministering in Del Rio, Texas, uh, for them this coming Sunday. And then, uh, Easter Sunday, we'll be over in Conroe, Texas with That's Sue right. Lanza. Sue That's is right. a wonderful friend and Tom, her husband, who's in heaven now is a dear friend. And so we'll be with them on Easter Sunday. And then the very following Sunday, the 28th, we'll be with uh, good friends, Daryl Baker and Kathy Joe up in Ponder, Texas at their great church. And we were planning on being with Bob Nichols, our dear friend for so many decades. Pastor Bob has been at the same church for how many years? 58? 53 50, or 54. Oh, is it 54? Uh -huh. Been the, the pastor of the same church. And uh, so he was going to have a special meeting just by invitation only to a bunch of ministers. And we were invited. But he's, uh, he's going to be having some surgery. And so he's... Uh, canceled or postponed that that meeting but anyway we're in the we're in this the, the the illustrious state of texas this month and we're taking these times between the sundays uh just to just to relax and then uh, uh you know what we do every year is we try to give our partner churches churches that partner with us in missions that send us offerings every month and pray for us and help us go to the mission fields every year on our calendar we try to give them first choice or first dibs on our time and then other churches that we haven't been to that invite us, we're happy to go there too. But we want to make sure our partner churches um, get um, get first choice. And so that's what we're doing this month in Texas, those four churches. Actually, five churches. I forgot about Chaz and Joni Stevenson. We're preaching for them on Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday after. The 24th. The 24th, the Wednesday after Easter. And they're in, they're in Houston, Texas, out in the Katy area. And so Chaz and Joni have been partners and friends for so many, many years, and we're ministering for them. So these five churches I just mentioned are all partner churches, and so we're just giving them the month of April to minister to them and for them. And in, and in, the, in the downtime in between, we're, just, we're taking a little time to relax. Well, there's always lots to do, and it's amazing to me um, how important it is for us to just enjoy uh, the goodness of God, the beauty, and give your eye gate <laughs> oh, yeah. some beauty to look at, and then just be able to be still and know that He is God. And so I'm grateful for that. And, and you know, uh, we'll have some pictures up on our Facebook page too about the with the blue bonnets. If anybody's interested, maybe I'm just rattling on about wildflowers that people don't care about, but I sure like them. Uh -huh. And we'll have some photos on our on our. Facebook page. That's right. Now, there were some things you really wanted to share with the folks here today about uh, four uh, specific areas that you wanted to talk to them yeah, about. Absolutely. So I want, we want to get ample to time Last week, that. and we got, yeah. so, we got so caught up talking about other things that we just ran out of time. But but in my newsletter this last month, in fact, if you, if you get my newsletter, uh, then you'll have it already. Uh, in print, and and if you don't get my newsletter and you would like to, then just let my office know that that you'd like to receive it by regular mail or snail mail, we call it, uh, and we'll mail it to you. Uh, that's our partner letter. Uh, but yet, uh, you can also just go online. You can go to Terry Mize Ministries, or you can just go to my uh, personal Facebook page, Terry Terry L Mize, and. Uh, 
uh, my secretary posts it there, so you can actually read it online or snail mail and, and real with a piece of paper in your hand. But anyway, on that letter, I talked about our trip, our five-plus-week trip to to the South Pacific, to, to New Zealand and Vanuatu and Samoa, and uh, about the ministry there and what we did and some things that transpired and took place. But I also talked about soul winning and how that's, you know, we're in a day where, where and you've heard me say this before, but we need to make sure the church is not just teaching the taught. And there's nothing wrong with teaching the taught. I did that Sunday morning. I was in a church teaching Christians, teaching the taught. Nothing wrong with that. But we can't confuse teaching the taught with reaching the lost. Jesus no, didn't right. die for Christians. Jesus right. died for sinners. Right. And uh, sometimes the church gets so involved uh, and bogged down with just teaching Christians. Uh, and again, nothing wrong with teaching Christians. It's just that we can't do that in lieu of reaching the lost. Jesus died for the lost, and if we don't reach the lost, they're going to go to hell. Uh, you know, if we, if, we don't, if we don't keep teaching the Christians, they're going to be all right because they're <laughs> no, saved. Right. But, but if we don't reach those lost people, they're dying every day and going to hell. We, the church must reach the lost. So, so I talk a lot about uh, let's make sure we're not just uh, re, uh, teaching the taught, but we're also reaching the lost. Even in your financial support and in your partnership, if you don't watch out, you just hook up with so many wonderful ministers, uh, TV ministers, radio ministers, uh, traveling ministers, uh, pastors, uh, that that simply are spending all their ministry time uh, teaching the taught, which again, there's nothing wrong with teaching the taught, but they're not reaching the lost. And we want to make sure that we're giving to ministries that are reaching the lost and that we as Christians are ourselves reaching the lost and praying for the lost and that you must be involved. You know, Renee, you just have to be involved in missions. No, that's true. Missions is not something you can opt out of. That's right. Missions is something that you must be, God will hold you accountable for it. You know, I've said for so many, many years that I, I could almost write a book about pastors, dear friends of mine, pastors who get involved, who have a missions program, and yet they get in, and, and God blesses them, they get successful, so they start to build a building. They get involved in a building program. And almost the first thing they do is, stop, is cut out missions. And when they do, sometimes they never get the building built. And other times it just takes way too long. It just takes years and years and years and years and years. Other pastors that uh, have a missions program and start a building program for their church, but yet don't cut out missions, just continue to do missions and say, hey, we're going to give to missions no matter what. They end up building their building quickly and getting it done, everything right, and then they just go on with the master's business. And so I just got an email from a dear friend of mine this week while we are here in Texas. And he said, Brother Terry, guess what? He said, we're finally dedicating our church, our new church building. He said, we've been in the church building program for years and years and years and years and years, and we finally, finally just got it finished. And he said, guess what? Guess why we were in a building program for all those many years and couldn't get it built? He said, that's because when we started the building fund, the first thing we did is cut out missions. And, and I thought, dear God, I could just I could write a book about that, just pastor after pastor after pastor, and show the difference between those who maintain their missions given throughout their building program and how they got it finished and done and went on with God and others who just got bogged down because they, they stopped their missions giving with good intentions, thinking I'll catch up or I'll do it later. And yet they just took forever to get it done or in many cases they never got it done. And so I got a, that text uh, or email just from a friend just this week saying, guess what? 
We've heard you say this for years and years and years, and now we've experienced it ourselves. But anyway, uh, we wanted to talk about some of the things I said in my newsletter. And uh, what it was is after we came back from uh, New Zealand, and, and I was talking in the newsletter about soul winning and about ministering to people and so on and so forth, um, then I, I brought up something I've preached for many, many, many years, and even said this at, at, at Words of Life Church the other day when we were in Florida with Brother Copeland. And they had me get up and say some things. And I said, if you'll, if you'll take this truth, here's the truth, it's going to help you. So if you're listening to me today, this is going to help you. This truth is going to help you be a soul winner or help you talk to people about eternity. And I said, I said this, I said, this truth can help you in witnessing or help you in soul winning. There are four questions that the whole world has been asking throughout eternity. They've never stopped asking it. They're still asking it today. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. Sinners are asking these four questions. Even even millionaires are asking these four questions. And many millionaires have, have spent fortunes to travel to the Himalayas and sit naked with some guru, some spiritual guru, in a cave somewhere eating bean sprouts and grub worms, uh, trying to find out the, the, the questions uh, that's bothered the world, these four eternal questions that's bothered the world forever and will continue to bother them. But question one, everybody on the planet wants to know the answer to this. Where did I come from? Where what? did I come from? How did I get here? What am I doing? How did I get on this big blue marble sitting out here in space? Uh, how did I get here? You know, the theory of evolution says I got here because my great-great-great-great-grandmother was a tadpole in a scum-covered pond somewhere that came alive and walked out on the land when the sun hit the scum. Of course, uh, my question to that has always been within where did the pond and the sun and the scum come from? Right. You know, did, did we come from monkeys? Did we come from tadpoles? Did we come from some amoeba? Did we come from a big bang? Uh, just an explosion happened? Uh, it was, was uh, uh, you know, was uh, uh, Darwin's theory correct? Of course, it wasn't. That's why they call it a theory. It was, right. it was never exactly. right. It was never accurate. It was exactly. always Darwin's theory. And you know what, Renee, when he died, when he got older in life, he said, that's the biggest bunch of baloney that anybody ever perpetrated on right. on society. He said, he said the theory, my theory of evolution was totally wrong and totally false. But anyway, question one, where did I come from? Right. That bothers people. Question two, what am I doing here? Right. What am I doing here? I mean, I'm here. I'm going to be here for some 60, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe, you know, 120 if I live according to the Bible. But what, what am I doing here? Uh, does my life have purpose? Again, I'm out here on this big blue marble just out in space with seven and a half billion other folks. But for what purpose? Right. What's the reason? Is there well, a point to my being here? Why am I here? That's question two. And people are asking it all over the world. I mean, well, natives in the jungle are asking that. Educated people are asking it. Scientists are asking it. I mean, people everywhere want to know, what am I, what am I doing here? Does my, does my life have any purpose at all? And question three, who am I? This is an important one. Who am I? Am I important? Am I somebody? Am I nobody? What am I doing here? No, that's right. Who am I? People want you know, know, you know, psychiatrists tell us, Renee, that you, you know, this big, oh, I don't know how long it's been going on now. Has it been 20 years, maybe, that there's been this big onslaught of teenage suicides oh. and kids committing suicide epidemic, and yeah. just an epidemic of kids and teenagers committing suicide for the last couple of decades. And uh, psychiatrists tell us that the terrible epidemic of teenage suicide over the last couple of decades is caused by 
get this, an identity crisis. The kids want to know who am I. They don't know who they are. And because they don't know who they are and they're bothered by the question of who am I, am I important, what am I doing here, where did I come from, they, they commit suicide. I want to give a commercial here for Psalm 78. Yeah, go for it. If you'll take the advice and the example given in raising children of Psalm 78 and grandchildren having any influence in their lives at all, you'll do what they said Moses said they turned back in the day of battle. In other words, they were fearful because... They were going to battle. They were equipped for battle. They had everything they needed to win the battle with. And yet because they did not have in their minds a picture of winning, it says their parents did not tell them the great facts. I love the way the Amplified says that of all the wonderful miracles God did in bringing Israel out of Egypt, of all the great things that God had done for their provision while they were in the wilderness, even in disobedience for 40 years. Got water out of a rock. That God did all of those things. The feet didn't swell. The shoes didn't wear out. There was so many things. I mean, just, you know, nearly a half century of miraculous intervention by the hand of God for the nation of Israel. And it says those, that generation turned back in the day of battle. That, that's fear, that's suicide, that's retreat, that's AWOL, <laughs> that's yeah, not sure. doing your job, that's, that's going settling for something less than God's best, simply because their parents, grandparents, did not tell them about all the miraculous stories uh, and and things that God did, how he interacted with their nation. And I want to just say one thing my grandmother and grandmothers did, as well as my mother and parents, was tell me all the things that God did for them from the very day my grandparents got married (laughs) in 1924. And how they dedicated their lives to get to pay their tithes and serve God, and then all the stories of how God helped them through the Great Depression, and they were the only ones in the family that had a job and were able to take care of everybody else, the brothers and sisters and their families, and how God saw them through World War II, and all the things that happened, how my grandfather was delivered out of um, the great battles in France and Verdun during World War I. My mother still has his gas mask. I mean, all of these things that go that went on in our family, year after year after year, my grandmother would tell me about how God did this, and God sure, did that, sure. and, and and I would go to her and say, Grammy, tell me another story. Oh, sure. Grammy, tell me that Absolutely. story about your dog, old Jack, how he warns you about this and warns you about that. I mean, I just, I thrived on hearing stories of the miraculous. And you grew up knowing the knowing. great facts of what God did for and people. And then went to a church where I was told about miracles and saw miracles all my life. So when I grew up and needed one, I knew I could have one. No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and and, and that's, just, that's just what I want to say. You've got to know who you and are. And parents say today, oh, I don't want to cram religion down my kids' throat. I don't want to drag <laughs> them to church. I don't want to make oh, them go, so oh, no, 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 That's no. so foolish and See, irresponsible. See, that, that's the bunch of people in Psalm 78 that's right. that God talks about in Hebrews 3 and 4 that he was so, he's still mad at them in Hebrews 3 and 4. Oh, he he's is. He's still ticked off. He's, he's still, still been saying, out of shape. He's and still he's, saying he's telling that, those people yeah. in Hebrews 3 and 4, he yes. said, don't 
don't do me like they did me. He said, they saw my works. Yeah. He said, they saw what I did for them. He said, I they could not them. enter in because of their unbelief. And he said, don't do me like they did. He said, don't be like those That's in right. the day of provocation That's when they right. provoked me. They tried me. He said, you know, in, in Christianity, even Pentecostal churches have always said, you know, God was testing the children of Israel. No, it was the other way around. It yeah. was the children of Israel were testing. were testing. He me. said, they tried me, they tested me, and they saw my and work T.L. Osborne said to me so many decades ago, he said, Terry, that's, that's the biggest sin in the Bible. That scripture in Psalm 78 says that they, they turned back from battle. That's right. It, he said they, they tempted the, the Holy, Holy One of Israel. Oh, my. They limited the great God. He said that's the biggest sin in the Bible. They, they limited God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. God even says when they turned back, he said they were like a warped bow, a warped and That's deceitful right. bow, like a bow and arrow, like an That's like archery. So sad. He said, he said he, the Amplified says a, a deceitful bow twisted that would not respond, respond. to the archer's aim. You know, I'm a, I'm a hunter. Right. You know, I shoot, I, I shoot archery. I, I can't imagine going out and sitting there in the woods and a big old 10-point buck walk out in front of me and I put my arrow up there and I knock my arrow and, I, and I've got a twisted, deceitful bow that throws my aim off. Yeah, it throws it six feet off the target. You know, the only reason God says all these things, the main reason is to get you ready for battle. Absolutely. To get you ready to go out into the harvest field, to go out into, um, you know, Jesus said we are, you know, that, that we're going to live in perilous times, that we're going to do the God's work among wolves, Yep. That we're that we're like, you know, the pure things of the world. We're like sheep among wolves. Yep. And yet we've got the great power of God on yes, the inside of but us. But if we don't know it. If we don't know it, then the enemy... We'll turn aside like that's a warped right. bow and the enemy, limit the Holy One of Israel. When we say the enemy can depress you, it's just like the enemy looks at you like an empty Coke can and he just steps on you sure. and flattens you out to where all you're good for is to recycle in. No, absolutely. You know, God absolutely. doesn't want you to live like that and he wants your children to know how valiant and and valuable they are to the kingdom of God that people are going to die and go to hell without all of us doing our job. And they'll do the same thing that those folks in Psalm 78 did if we don't train them and teach them of the great facts of God and That's the goodness, right. they'll end up turning away from battle. They won't know the difference. They'll turn into cupcakes and snowflakes and not oh. know the difference and run from battle looking That's for right. a safe space yeah. when God says, you turn around and get back to the battle. But because their parents did not train them, did not tell That's them, right. did not teach them of the great facts of what the miracle-working one and only God has done and can do and is doing, they'll turn back from battle. Let me finish this. Question one, where did I come from? Question two, what am I doing here? Question three, uh, who am I? And then the last question, question four, what awaits me after the grave? Renee, this question bothers people from Africa, from India, from America, from South America, from from North America, from from the islands of the sea to Australia, to New Zealand, right, to Asia, right, to Europe. Right. I mean, every continent, people are bugged by this by these four questions. What right. awaits me after, after everybody wants to know, is there really life after death? Right, right. Is there life after death? What happens when I die? Am I just dead when I die? What what happens? Now, I'll tell you what, I tell people this all the time. Next time you're in a Walmart or a grocery store of any kind and you go up to check out the checkout stand, you just look at all those tabloid newspapers. There'll be there'll be almost every time there'll be stories on those tabloid newspapers right on the front page. You don't have to thumb through them. 
right on the front page, there'll be some story about life after death. No, that's right. You know, we've had two or three movies made lately about, you know, God's not dead and, and God's real and heaven's real. And, yeah. you know, talking about people who, who, who died and went to heaven and so on and so forth. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm even amazed in the church over the, over the, over the history of the church, there have been some, some, some bad guys that call themselves ministers that uh, knew that the church was so concerned about this and that the world was so concerned about this that what awaits me after the grave is, is their life after death that they actually made up stories and said that they died and went to heaven and that Jesus talked to them and they went around heaven and they saw all this stuff in heaven and, uh, and, and whenever they do that, people just flock to those meetings. They buy their tapes, they buy their CDs, they flock to those meetings because they want to know the answer. And now some people really have had that experience. I know people that really have gone to heaven and Jesus took them around. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm saying some bad guys have taken advantage of that over the years and then been exposed later uh, as crooks and liars just because they know people are, are just absolutely engulfed, consumed with that question of what awaits me after the grave. But what I started to say is you look at those tabloid newspapers there at the checkout stand, and you'll see some story about life after death. You'll see a story about, you know, uh, Princess Di's ghost, uh, you know, uh, had dinner with me last night. You know, Elvis's ghost came and talked to me, and, uh, you know, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, you'll see those stories, uh, and, and they sell magazines. I mean, those magazines make lots of money off that because people are absolutely obsessed right. with this life's question. That's why fortune tellers and scam artists and even fake preachers can make a living having seances and things like that right. to let people talk to their dead loved now, ones because people want to know, is their life, is something right. really waiting me? And those four questions are absolutely tormenting people around the world. People would flock to somebody with the answers, and yet our kids in children's church know the answers to those questions. <laughs> our kids in Sunday school know the uh, answers. Only every the Christian, church knows Every that. Christian yeah. knows the answers to those four questions, four questions of where did I come from, what am I doing here, who am I, and what awaits me after the grave. That's right. I mean, there has to be. I mean, you could just ask any any church going child those. And, no, and absolutely. They, they wouldn't know the reference, maybe, no. but they'd know the answer. They could tell you where they, they came from. They could tell you where they came from. They could tell you what they're doing here. Well, they can tell you who they are. They can tell you what awaits them after the grave. Right. Even see, our, you can our little four year old knows that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Missy sure. B knows sure. that. <laughs> you can walk up to a sinner on the street and just say, you know, where'd you come from? Yeah. Who are you? What are you doing here? What awaits you after the grave? Right. What happens when you die? Right. People are, I want to say, I use the word tormented. I don't want that to be in the wrong connotation, but I mean the world's tormented, obsessed with those four questions, and Christians know those answers to those four questions, and that can help you win souls. Anyway, well, I want that, to get that out today. That, that right there just lets you know how smart you all are and what your value is to the world and how important your voice, your presence your prayers, your influence, uh, everything you that has to, to do about your religion, life. They don't know the answers to that. No, they don't. Uh, and false gods, they don't know the answers to And that. they certainly can't say it with confidence like no, the no, church no, no, can. No, 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 no. We say it. We boldly say that our God lives in us. We, we boldly say, yes, I'm going to heaven. Yes, yes, yes. We boldly Other say. Other religions don't say that. <laughs> they say they hope so. They wish so. They right, think so. Right. They might. might. 
We boldly say, I've been bought and purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. Absolutely. They boldly say that my God lives in me. Yes. No we, religion says that but Christianity. <laughs> it'd no, be they would not it'd be dare blasphemy say that their God lives other religions, in them. Yeah, of the world to say that their God lives in them. See, yet, Emmanuel, yeah, God in us. God with us, God in us. Absolutely. Everything about the Word of God is is every single Jesus page said, I is my telling father us will abide in you yeah. we'll live in you we'll make right. our boat in you the the, the reason people Christ uh, in you the hope of glory get overtaken as galatians 6 says in a fault the reason we get caught and held as the song says in sin's dread snare sin's dread sway. Way, is that is that people don't really know or they don't believe what they've been told of who they really are when you know without a doubt that you are a king and a priest unto God, yes. you'll not be in the wrong places at the wrong time with the wrong people. And God's attitude is to help bring people into a place of knowing where you've come from and knowing what you are doing here, knowing who you are and knowing where you're going. And God wants to do all of that work on the inner man when when uh, i think it is philippians 2 is always talking about how god is all the while at work in us he's trying to continually reveal to you all the grandeur of the great inner man dean always used to call it that great inside unseen part of yeah, me sure, sure. <laughs> and that lets you know that that great unseen inside part of who you are, that spirit man is so valuable and so glorious and so not only powerful, but you are positioned at the right hand of the throne of God intended to rule and reign alongside Christ Jesus in this life and in the life no, to come. So we want you to know who you are, where you've come from, where you're going, <laughs> and all the great, wonderful things that God has planned for Amen. you in your life. Amen. God bless you today. We're so glad you've joined us. We're going to go out and, and look at some more of the beauty and do a little video out there for you. And then I'm going to have uh, dinner tonight with my son and his family. And um, Terry and I are looking forward to mosey on. That's a Texas phrase. We're going to mosey on over uh, to Del Rio yep. and be with uh, Pastor Terry and Dorcas Maris. And uh, we're going to just enjoy the goodness of God. You know, there's a lot to be said for being still and knowing that He is God. No, that's right. And when you've come from off the battlefield and when you've had a great uh, trial or test in your life, you know, Jesus always said, feed everybody. You yeah, know, yeah. He always wanted everybody to take time and let's have a break. Um, you know, just when, even Peter's mother-in-law, he said, give her something to eat. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, let's all take a moment here and let's thank God for the victories and the grace and the mercy of God. And my heart today has been so touched uh, I woke up this morning with Jesus on my mind, as the said, song said, thinking about I could enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Sure. And so that's what More Than Conquerors is all about. That's why Terry is out preaching and teaching and we're out doing the work and the will of God as we want to help the world reach the lost and do what God's called us to do. We pray a great blessing of God's favor and his wisdom over your life today. And in Jesus' wonderful name, we declare that you are more, more than, than conquerors. conquerors. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a Mize Missions podcast. For all the latest updates to our global projects, speaking engagements, and social media, visit us at terrymize.com.
you can partner with us to give living bread to dying men around the world. Get involved at terrymize.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Terry Mize Ministries.